Hello and welcome to This Way Up. In this series, I talk to a number of leading women in the creative industry, talking specifically about the good, the bad and the ugly of their career. And in this episode, I interviewed Gemma O'Brien. If you don't know Gemma, she's an artist renowned for her beautiful hand-lettered murals, her illustration and typography. I got the pleasure to interview Gemma in her amazing studio in Sydney and got to really find out how she became this world-famous artist. She has created work for clients like Qantas, The New York Times, Smirnoff, Kirin and loads more brands. And as usual, I chart through her career from the moment she went viral with her artwork while still studying at uni to being commissioned by famous brands. And what stood out for me was the fact that Gemma talks openly about her ambition and how sometimes that can take away from really enjoying the process of it all. You know, that kind of dilemma between wanting to push yourself forward, but also wanting to enjoy the process We also talk about the very practical ways of how someone can make it to that level of fame, for lack of a better word. So, without further ado, this is Gemma O'Brien and this is This Way Up. Welcome to the show, Gemma. Thanks for having me. We're in your amazing, amazing studio in Sydney, and it's quite sunny outside. It's been raining most of the day, um, and I thought we'd start this conversation by asking you where you were born. You were born in, in Queensland? Brisbane, in Queensland, yeah, so an hour north of where we are now in Sydney, and um, yeah. What was that like? It was... Queensland, Brisbane is a great place to grow up. It's very tropical. I had very creative parents, so I was always, you know, painting and drawing. And, yeah, it was a pretty good childhood to set me up. But you went into law, didn't you? I did. So despite (laughs) being very creative, I think it was probably more my school. There was a bit of academic pressure that if you get good marks, you should you know choose medicine or law and so I did a year of it was a year and a half of a law degree and then dropped out and switched over to a bachelor of design wow how how was that process did it feel a bit weird were your parents like supportive yeah it's funny I was thinking about it recently when I moved into my new studio I was looking through like old you know, uni transcripts and whatnot. And I was trying to remember, like, yeah. if there was a moment or if there was a thing where it yeah. happened. And I can't pinpoint it exactly, right. but I do remember kind of going online and looking up, like, how to become a graphic designer, like, what, you know, this mm. researching phase and then just made the shift. And my parents were always pretty supportive. Oh, amazing. Um, were so, there in art as well? Or? So my dad is like a builder designer. Right. So he kind of designs his own buildings. And That's then so cool. Creates them. And my mum was an early childhood teacher. Well, she still is. Right. So creative, creative in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so you sort of made the transition and you just looked into the kind of graphic design world. Yeah. I assume by then you'd, you'd already done quite a bit of art on your own? Or there's a kind yeah, of- I did it 
all through high school. Right. Um, then, you know, there was a couple of years where I was doing law where I probably didn't do anything. But mm. I remember, like, even in the foundation year of the design course, there was, like, life drawing and these basics. Yeah. And I remember just feeling like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I wanted yeah, to be doing. Yeah. And did you always feel like you had that kind of affinity? Because not everyone, including me, actually, mm. is super, you know, good at drawing. It's quite a skill set in, yeah. in itself. I think I did a lot of things when I was younger. Like, I did... a classes at the art gallery and there was definitely things that promoted I don't know whether I felt like it was definitely I was going to be an artist but I definitely loved the creative process so and like it's sort of escaping through yeah I I think it was just it was something really fun for me like I remember making like little books and writing stories and then illustrating them so it was really yeah Yeah. just something that made me really happy and then when you decided to switch did Mm. you go right I'm going to go for the best uni out there is that the kind of process I think that what happened was when I I think I actually chose design rather than art as almost like another safety net which yeah I've been there I've been there I was like you know I couldn't go from law to fine art because that would just be insane um so I think it was like these baby steps yeah. and then I moved from Brisbane to Sydney and it wasn't, I think it was for a guy at the time. Oh, really? <laughs> it wasn't actually, <laughs> it wasn't actually the, um, university. The university. Group, but, but no, it's a very good university. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but part of it was the feeling that, you know, Brisbane was this small town and like Sydney yeah. is going to be a better creative scene. And so the boy plus the new, you know, career yeah. and art, it all kind of fell into place. Amazing. <laughs> Did you know anyone apart from the boy? No. So well, like, we both moved together from Brisbane. Right. And that was that security blanket. Yeah, but part of the excitement of coming to Sydney was that I didn't really know anyone. So it was almost like starting yeah. from scratch, like in this new Definitely. life. And I was so excited, even going to university. Like, I feel like those were some of my most enjoyable times, yeah. like really being creative and getting to know a new city. Yeah. And it was like the place where I started my adult life in a way. Definitely. I mean, I don't know. I feel like other people might have been scared to just take that jump. But I think I was too young to like be, to be, I think I was a bit right. young and naive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just like I'm gonna do it like I look back now I think I was 19 yeah and so I yeah. just went for it whereas now I think moving cities even though I've considered it there'd be so many different yes, factors whereas true. now I was like let's just go yeah maybe we all need to go back to our student days exactly kind of risk. and how was uni at that time then did you just learn the craft did you really enjoy it you yeah know? it was so the College of Fine Arts has changed its name now, but it's part of the University yeah. of New South Wales. So they have a dedicated kind of art and design campus. And it was very conceptual, like right. less technical learning oh, design skills and more like come up with some concepts and ideas. And yeah. I think for some people that wasn't great, but for me, I loved it yeah. because it was really ideas and exploratory mm. and I just try lots of different things. Um, And it was in my second year there where I really got into lettering and typography. And that was kind of, that set the tone, I guess, for the rest of my Because for anyone that's kind of new to lettering and typography, it's it's a whole skill set in itself. I mean, I I did it only for like a few weeks at uni. Yeah. And I remember having to learn all these different words like kerning. Yes. And and the... the sort of typesetting in the old totally. days and all things, yeah. like, which I think to some people, sort of learning that, they might find that a little bit dry. Yeah, but. and I think initially I did have that reaction yeah. when typography was part of like 
you know, we were learning InDesign and kind of mm. typesetting and I did find it really dry and boring. But then there was something that changed when I started to think of it more like in the letterpress studio yeah. where it's physical and thinking about it of approaching it more from like a drawing or illustration yeah. perspective and that was like really exciting to me. But I think it's changed a lot now as well. Like back then it was pre-Instagram. Yeah. So there weren't like these lettering and design type accounts out in the world. So it did feel like a very nerdy secret community <laughs> that I was like, I'm going to be a part of this. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But also, did you did it take time to learn that craft in itself? Because I can imagine. Yeah, I think. hand lettering the way you do it. I, there were there wasn't really there was one teacher at my right. university who kind of was a great resource for me in terms of like the rules of the history yeah. but the actual course in university itself was pretty basic right. and a lot of it I went out and like taught myself or tried different calligraphic tools oh, and, amazing. and just developed that yeah. over time you just got the bug for it and you just yes, went totally yeah amazing and then how did you sort of did you get a job straight from uni or was it? Um, so I, I kind of started this blog around all the lettering and typography mm. and that was one area that I thought this is definitely what I want to go into. But my first job was actually in more 3D motion graphics, visual effects at Animal Logic. Yeah, so they do right. Lego mm. movie and all sorts of other blockbuster cool. stuff. So I was like a junior designer doing you know some fun exciting title sequence type stuff and then more dry like setting supers on insurance commercials but <laughs> it was a great starting place I think Absolutely. because it was a huge company and I started to understand a bit more like I think in uni I had this idea of like an artist or a designer you go in and you just work by yourself and you squirrel away and then you come out and there it is and I think that working in a big company I was like oh you know you've got producers you've got deadlines you've got to work with other people it's not yeah. just you and there was a lot of things that I think really mm. taught me stuff that I've used throughout but also there's a lot of digital aspect that's yes. what's really yeah. like interesting that contrast because you do hand lettering Yes. You're doing a blog on the side, and then and then all digital. Definitely. So and you you've got both skills in that. I sense. guess I feel more comfortable working by hand, but I think that now they've merged so yeah. much, and the tools that you use yeah. can you know they borrow Transfer. from each other. And I think the way I think of it now is almost anything that's completely done by hand is almost like this luxury because right. you do you know it does take more time yeah it does and it's a more enjoyable process but you know if I'm travelling or if I've got tight mm. deadlines then the digital yeah. approach is often faster much, much yeah. better but it, did you do it uh, consciously when you got out of uni to go into a space where it was very digital led or I don't think it was it just yeah. kind of fell into place <laughs> through that. like oh, yeah we're like yep yeah, that sounds good I'm gonna go for that <laughs> I think an opportunity came up and I said yes and it was less you know I didn't study all these places I wanted to work yeah it just kind of happened so that's really yeah. good you must have a good instinct to like <laughs> try and find your way no because I can imagine well at least in my experience yeah. it's more advertising than design but there is that period especially after uni where you just have that fear of what if I can't find a job and it's so competitive yeah did you find that or did you just yeah, I think I think because it was less like the advertising world and more the yeah. design world, I always felt like I was doing something. Even if I wasn't making money of or had course. a job, I was always like had a little project or yeah. a side thing happening. So I always felt very busy. Yeah. And 
it was just good to kind of have this job come up mm. where I could start to learn some more professional school skills and start making connections. And I think I'd freelance on the side and do other right. bits and pieces, but yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to start is to sort of know that you've got the job, but also do some freelance. Exactly. I would always recommend that to like young students so you don't feel sort of pr- that pressure yeah, from yeah. working for a big boss. Definitely. And tell me more about the blog side of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was called For the Love of Type. Yeah. And it was, you know, I kind of started it, in, I think it was 2007. So it was like when Google Blogger and yeah. like those things were really the place to like, channel your passions. <laughs> um, and it was really like, I think I've archived it now, but it was very like, you know, I had this really big passion and this was like the outlet for that. Yeah. So it would be anything from like, um, you know, sometimes I'd share my university projects or taking pictures of lettering and typography on the street. Yeah. So it would be like, you know, I think once I wrote a complaint letter to a bookstore, like it was yeah. very like <laughs> random and very funny. Eclectic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I did do this one video that was like riding all over my body in hand lettering and it kind of was a viral sensation for a minute and I look at it now and I'm like this is hilarious I cringe (laughs) and but um tell me for for someone who hasn't seen that yeah what what was it like the project sure so it was a second year graphics project I think and we had to do like an anti-graffiti campaign and so I thought I would do like, would you write all over your own property kind of... This, I always see. I don't know, quite a silly <laughs> idea. But I basically wrote all over my skin in, like, Sharpie and wrote right oh here, God. right now. And did it to, like, the Fat Boy Slim, like, time-lapse music. And, Amazing. And I put it online and just so that my tutor could mark the right. assignment. And then it kind of went off. Amazing. I hope moment. you got a really good mark. Because I of think it. I got a good mark. But um, <laughs> it ended up having this funny spiral effect where like the marketing manager of Font Shop in Germany at the time saw it and wrote this blog post on a big German design blog about yeah. it and was quite critical of me and I was Critical? Using, yeah, it was like who is this I think it was I was quite anonymous. I was using like That's a pseudonym, right. Mrs. Eves, oh which was this font. Me, and uh, it became my eyes. <laughs> it became this big thing on this on this blog and a lot of people in the design community actually came to my defense and were like, you know, she's just experimenting, yeah. she's a student and then a year later he ended up inviting me to speak at this German design right. conference. So Typical. it was two thousand and nine, I was twenty one and so I flew over to Germany and did this talk and it was quite a crazy thing. Yeah. But I think that was also something that really set my trajectory of my career from that point forward because I guess like moving to Sydney when I was 19, mm. I just said yes to this speaking gig and was like, shit scared. <laughs> well, <laughs> Went and did it and yeah. It's incredible and I really want to talk about, obviously I've seen a few of your videos and how calm and confident <laughs> and, and you know, and you have some really nice thoughts and so I'll, I'll explore that a little bit more but just, just going back to that, so you were still at uni but you yes. had in your mind the the understanding it seems to me about how actually doing your own work or having your own passion can lead you to some quite interesting places. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I don't know. I remember I always felt like, you know, I was second year design student. Off Mm. I went and did this thing and then I had to come back and like do my university projects. And I was almost like a little bit annoyed (laughs) that I had to do it. I'm like, just spoke at this thing. But 
I was definitely like very ambitious and yeah. I think about it now oh, and interesting. I kind of see these designers do these talks at conferences and I'm like I want to be doing that but I think the time when I did it I didn't have anything to show for it so I wanted to come back and actually like build a body of work and really right. you know yes. I guess develop my own sense of style and yeah. that sort of thing as well so that's quite is would you say like it's like um positive sort of ambition in that sense or was it was there any negative aspect um, to it i think there was definitely a negative right. aspect that i think like still happens okay. now where it's like there's the ambition but then you know when you take something so seriously then it you know if something doesn't go right or if you miss a deadline or if it, then the stress and the anxiety yeah. that comes with it and I think that's something that I've always struggled, struggled with. with that's interesting yes. yeah tell me uh, about that a bit more in terms of how you approach a brief and yeah. is there always that kind of panic towards a deadline or yeah you now? I think I've gotten a little bit better because You've I've had, had to, to. <laughs> <laughs> you know I think like as the funny thing I say to like people who I've known for many years is that right now I might be working for a huge client and I've got this big deadline and, and it's the stakes are high you know yeah. like there's lots of you people know I'd call my mum in a panic and she'd be like oh just tell them you can't do it I'm like no mum you don't understand <laughs> like it has to you know you've got these deadlines and they're real and I think the thing that I noticed is that the amount of panic I might have for this huge scale job would be the same panic that I had when I was back in university doing a second year project. And I think that for me, that's, it's more about, I don't know if it's perfectionism, but it's mm. like having an idea of how you want something to be yeah. and how you have that gut feeling. I feel like yeah. when you know something's going to be good. And then if you either aren't there, if you don't have enough time to get it to that level then it's that yeah panic. Exactly. and of course you always get it to that level I'm sure you do well I don't know <laughs> I think you, you know I don't think every single project that you create yeah. can always be amazing but you have to kind of keep on creating so that you do get those two or three that you're yeah. happy with and yeah and would you say that part of like the creative process or, or being an artist would you consider it, you, you are an artist right I mean and, I call myself an artist but I'm not yeah. like uh, you know I don't do a lot of like contemporary art I feel like I sit in this weird space between you know art and design and yeah. advertising and yeah but I think you're sitting in your, your yeah. own space <laughs> I think there's I, I hate sort of labels yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. so but would you say that part of that kind of process is also being able to be good at analyzing how you work yeah I think yeah. so definitely and I think that the more that I've wanted to either be more productive or create better work yeah. you kind of have to put systems in place and I find it's always like this balance between like an artist I, as an artist I want to be like free and creative and yeah. explore and be have this chaotic side but then also have to like change hats in a way and be yeah. like strategic and planning and like time management mm. all those things that I actually enjoy doing I just can't do both of them at the same time interesting <laughs> yeah. how does it work it's almost like a two, yeah. two different gemmas that comes in and out definitely <laughs> like I sometimes think that I would love to be like a producer working with other artists I'm like I know exactly what you need to do I'll do this but if I have to do the creative side and then also Amazing. some of that management 
it's when they have to come together that I struggle. Wow. Can yeah. you like paint me a picture of that? Like what would it be like a normal day for you then if you well, got just briefed yes. by someone? Well, so it's interesting. Like I work with illustration management yeah. reps mm-hmm. in Australia and in America. And when I first started out, I heavily relied on them I was like I can't you know I'm not going to get to my emails I had like thousands of unread mm. emails like so that was a real um, help to yeah. just kick off a project and then let me focus on the creative mm. whereas now I feel like even though I still work with them I like to be more involved because I think that yeah. you know you can shape things and sometimes I think that when a brief comes in it's very clear like we love this style we want it to be this let's right. go other times there's this more open period for exploration and I love that Mm. place where you get to go really deep like I love immersing myself like if I'm doing something for a particular client where there's a book I can listen to or anything I'll like listen to the audiobook and try and like I want to be invested in it yeah that's how it should always work right in terms of inspiration exactly so I think there's that period if there is space to explore options I love to do that and then you know move into pencil sketches and that you know step to the design process but um I think that the thing I struggle with is sometimes there isn't that time to be able to really go deep and so it's about sacrificing okay well the cutting yeah yeah. And finding that balance. And then not be too, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> heartbroken. Exactly. Like, keep going. Yeah. yeah. But when do the two gemmas come into play then? Do you have, oh. like, that, if you do have the perfect brief? Do yeah. You, do you come in and just one day go, okay, I'm crazy gemma. I think it's, like, at the beginning I'm very, like, the strategic side oh, comes okay. on where it's, like, okay, in order to get this done by then, I'll, you know, look at the schedule and, like, really think it from that point of view and then imagine that I will hit all of those points in that process and then once I actually start doing more of the drawing or the creating that's when it's like oh no I need to stay up to 3am and just get this to a point because you know everything kind of goes out the window (laughs) so it's yeah Yeah, coming in and out it's so funny that you can't tell oh yeah you, you should be able exactly. to exactly yes <laughs> they so don't funny. listen to each other <laughs> <laughs> i am a gemini as well so oh, I don't know there you go. that's, two gemini. <laughs> that's yeah. really interesting no i think um i read somewhere or someone told me about how the most important thing for creatives is to um do do a bit of a square around like a, a, a you know, limits around mm. where you can do your creativity, like a yes. sandbox is what I was looking for. So that then you can go crazy, but you still need to do that yeah. sort of deadline, which is what you're doing at the beginning. Though it yes. seems like you need to yeah. add maybe a day. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think it's like a constant push and pull. But yeah, you might see on outside my studio, there's a sign, and it's a Patty Smith quote. On one side, it says in art and dream may you proceed with abandon and then on the other side it says in life may you proceed with balance and stealth so i feel like that is like the amazing epitome. and who did that, that i just put it on there when i came oh you did it oh, amazing. Space, so, yeah. yeah there you go so you already knew that yes. the kind of fight that you exactly. to so going back to you being invited to Germany mm. and speaking, um, you were saying really sort of full of nerves. How did you mm. overcome it and what did you talk about? 
So I was very aware that like I didn't have a career to talk about right. in the way that I'd seen yeah. as other designers. And so I felt like part of the reason there was interest in my typography blog from this German mm. design world was the sense that they didn't know anything about Australian typography or right. the Australian designs and it was a bit mystical. So I kind of knew that and I thought I'm going to give a bit of paint a bit of a picture. So I interviewed designers who are working in Melbourne and Sydney and, oh, cool. and you know got a university friend who was doing like digital media to film it it was like you know made a mini documentary wow. it, was, it was right when the Helvetica documentary had just come out and I watched yes. it like a million times it was very heavily influenced oh by that oh my god that. the pressure you put on yourself <laughs> oh my god it was in this is what I'm saying though when yeah. I think about it now it's like it doesn't really matter what the thing is yeah I'll put the same amount of pressure on myself anyway Amazing. so I kind of planned this and I think that helped in a way because it meant that when I did talk, you know, 15 minutes of the presentation was this documentary. Yeah, and, and you put a lot of work into it. And I yeah. think I would always say that as a tip for anyone is that if you put shitloads of work into it, <laughs> people will feel it, even if it's not quite yeah. right, which I'm yeah. sure it was. But yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, and then I think I just spoke about, you know, if there was a sense of a voice to the Australian design. I mean, I was, you know, I had no idea. I was just throwing <laughs> some ideas out there now. But, um, yeah. Amazing. And you didn't have that little voice. I remember being that age where, you know, it's like, am I allowed to be here? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely yeah. felt like major imposter syndrome. I think that's probably why I overcompensated right. by doing all of this extra stuff. But there was like this feeling, especially because it came off the back of me, like writing all over my body yeah. in lettering. And there was like these weird things happening where there'd be like a speaker's dinner of the, all the other speakers and there were murmurs and I don't know there was just a weird sense of like why did they invite her like oh, really? you know yeah oh no poor you that's hard. It's okay I can kind of like when I look at it now I'm like I can imagine if I saw that video now of someone else yeah I'd be just like it seems like a gimmick well to me right. I'm like it's a gimmicky attention seeking <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but um, would you not be like she's twenty one? This is quite that's true. That's true, incredible. and I think the I think it's more like taking it out of context of you know when I was at art school doing this project, yeah. it made sense. But then suddenly I was in another country talking about it, and it was like, what is the yeah? I don't know. And they actually invited me back to speak Ooh. then the immediate next year. Oh wow! But I said no because I felt like well. I don't, I don't have a, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think it was also just a different audience, like because I was a young student yeah. studying design and there were a lot of students who came to the conference, there was a bit of, mm. um, you know, they could relate in a yeah, way. Yeah, so, absolutely. And you were yeah. aware of your image as well already yeah. at that time, which yes. is quite incredible for yeah. being that young. So yeah, it's like yeah. over 10 years ago now, so it's yeah. very... Because I was going to ask you, did you have a point, you know, like sometimes you get almost a backlash and mm. almost just sort of afterwards did you go, right, well, it sounds like that's what you can't, not a backlash, but like mm. you wanted to really work hard yes. in order to have the portfolio in order to yeah, come back. definitely. So I think that when I came back, so this was still in university, it was before I started working yeah. at Animal Logic, so it was a bit in a way like, I just want to go back to that normal process that... A, mm. to become a professional you would finish university and and I just felt a sense of like wanting to do it the yeah. right way I guess um 
and then it was probably about three years after I graduated, worked at Animal Logic, mm. that I went back to being freelance and yeah. have kind of done that for the last six years or so. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is pretty good. But I, and I want to come back to that because mm. um, it takes balls to just go from I've got a cushy job to freelance, which yeah, yeah. is always a bit scary. But um, just going back to that kind of feeling, mm. so you were sort of thinking, you know what, well, I need to get my body of work to a certain standard, but you, you, you still had that confidence, which sounds great, of going, do you know what, I'm still going to put myself out there, the ambition is still yeah. there, I'm going to push forward, because yeah. you did quite a few still afterwards, right? Yeah, I probably had a block of maybe three, three to four, five years where I didn't do any speaking, but then it kick-started yeah. again, and I feel like it was this, weird like ambition I saw this quote recent was like don't have ambition without ability and I was like interesting Mm. because I feel like I agree in many ways but then at the same time it's kind of like the fake it till you make it thing yeah and I think that you know sometimes even if you know that your work there's still somewhere you want to go with it there's a certain sense of having to be confident or push it Mm. or just put it out there and you're almost I like to think of it as like you're developing your skills like in the public eye so you're like you might know that you're not there yet but you're just taking risks and that's where you you, that's your camp do you believe in I think maybe I've become more I think conservative in my old age (laughs) (laughs) I guess so something now where I'm definitely like I think about or I look back at things I used to create yeah. like, oh my god that's terrible or that's you know just being really critical that yeah. I think comes naturally as you progress yeah and then I'm like well what am I going to think in five years of what I'm doing now <laughs> <laughs> well I think there's a difference between a 21 year old that's and true. You know, that's 10 true. years later yeah. I think you've, you've learned quite a lot yeah from it but I, I like your thought of saying you know, actually developing and not having everything so perfect and mm. putting it in the public eye. Yeah. It's very scary. And, yeah. I, and the, I think there's a lot that we can talk about around that, especially mm. in the world of Instagram, mm. people being mm. critical, etc. Yeah. But there is also something quite rewarding, I can imagine, because you get something back from it yeah. as well. I, think, I actually think that Instagram probably was a big tool in mm. that same direction because between, you know, 21 speaking the conference working full-time and then freelancing when I first started freelancing I didn't really have a huge amount of work I didn't have any clients I was experimenting a lot and Instagram was the place where I like put that work yeah. out there unfinished and you would kind of get this feedback Amazing. and that kind of grew, grew. into yeah. probably closer to what my career is now but I think it's different I think it's, it's all changed now I think the really? landscape is well we have to talk about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to touch on, on you jumping from that cushy job that's a really yeah, good company yeah. to going into freelance. Like, that's quite scary. People ask me all the time, you know, was that scary? Well, there's, so there's two things. So Animal Logic happened and then I kind of left and worked right. with like a smaller creative collective where it was freelance called Toby oh. and Pete. Then I went back to another full-time job at Fuel VFX, and Fuel is actually now owned by Animal Logic. Oh, right. What happened was Fuel, it was similar. I was doing a similar yeah. thing, though. Fuel actually went bankrupt oh, shit. when I was there, and I had been freelancing and just started to do my own right. stuff at night, 
But that was actually the moment where I was like, okay, I could either get another full-time job mm. or this, it's like, if I'm not going to go full-time yeah. freelance now, then when am I going to do it? Amazing. So that was probably, I yeah. probably had a little bit of help. Well, um, did you have money when it went bankrupt? No, because I guess... I mean, becomes, not, really. not really. I was probably like, twenty, I guess, 25. I went back to selling flowers at the markets, which wow. I used to do when I was like in university. Just because I'm like, I want to have, yes. you know, some, some cash thing. flow. Yeah. And I don't know. I've always, I'd do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up for like anything really. Yeah. But you followed your passion and you were like, right, well, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. And I like the fact that you did flowers yeah. on the side because then you knew that you didn't have to stress about Exactly. Money. I think that was always the thing. I'm like, if I can at least, you know, pay rent with something yeah. else, then I don't have to hundred percent rely on it. And it, you know, yeah, it wasn't. It was probably a bit rocky at the beginning, but then over time, yeah. It kind of and how out. did you get more clients over time? That's a good question. I don't. I never really through. know where they come from. But um, <laughs> just I guess some of it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like some of it's from my agents and yeah. my reps that obviously just putting yeah. the material out there. Part of it was probably Instagram. Yeah, I was going to say, must be. Yeah, I think that was probably a big. Mm. and then yeah yeah word of mouth now I don't know yeah and great work of course <laughs> but um going back to Instagram actually did you what, tell me what it was like that relationship because you're saying mm. it's changed now yeah well you know I started using Instagram just like anyone did pictures yeah. of food and what you did on the weekend I didn't really think of it like as a tool for portfolio. my portfolio yeah. or anything like that I think it's I haven't deleted anything from my Instagram mm. someone said the other day they're like oh I scrolled all the way back to the beginning I'm like oh my god I've never even scrolled back to the beginning but I think I just didn't have any expectations mm. from it as a platform for anything other than fun and so you know I think it was a place where it was yeah as I said able to share unfinished work able to show a bit of my personality able to like explore different styles different just everything mm. and I really enjoyed using it in the beginning I think because it was like shaping you know yeah. your world in what way because you'd get positive comments or yeah I think I don't know I think there was it was the moment where I started working in this like attic space of my my yeah. house and it I really felt like oh this is like a little artist space I could create this yeah. world and and instagram was a place where i could share what i was making and get immediate feedback and mm. yeah it was just i really enjoyed it and i think over time it changed because i don't know i think it's it became more like at that point my career was developing yeah. and i was finding my voice and i was exploring lots of different like things and i was mm. free to experiment and then i mean maybe this is all in my head i feel like it's like now it's like this is what i do yeah <laughs> and people only respond if the thing that i share fits into the rest of the picture of what they think i do Amazing. That's so <laughs> this could be totally in my head but give for me, me an example I, so yeah. as soon as it shifted from like calligraphy and lettering and illustration into like murals Right. murals were like the thing that people liked the most and this right. became a trend I feel like yeah. on social media yeah. anyway so then it was like it felt as though anything that was large scale or was being painted got a bigger response right. and then it just kind of started to shift and what you're I like, did. hang on a minute <laughs> I can't do other stuff too but I don't know I'm torn like part of 
part of what I always think is like, well, some things are popular for a reason. Like, yes. what is it that people are resonating with in this, yeah. and how does that translate into different things? And then other times I'm like, whatever, who cares? I just well, want to do I whatever I think I want. because murals, you, you're working to such a big canvas, mm. it's very impressive. Yeah, there yeah. is just the fact that it's extremely yeah. impressive. And I do love, like, yeah. I think I still love painting murals, like, that's my favorite aspect yeah. of what I do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just am always interested in the way that it sits within yeah. you know, your own practice and how you feel about work and then what other people like and yeah. what clients want. And yeah, yeah. And but I think that, I don't know, maybe it'll change with Instagram, but I think mm. the more you just push of just showing yourself, the yeah. more, you know, people will understand that, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah it is a very fickle environment <laughs> that constantly changes. And yeah. You have a lot of followers on there. Do you just get some like random sort of uh, notes sometimes? Or? I, I feel like I've kind of been very lucky with. Very like, lucky. I mean, people. I'm not very good at engaging. Like, no. I'm, I don't really. Like, I was very happy when they introduced the little heart. Like, you can just like comments yeah. because I was. I just didn't really have time to like <laughs> yeah. engage, even though I, you know, wanted to. My mum would read comments and be like, did you see that so-and-so <laughs> mentioned this? And I'm like, that's so cute. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine having to respond to every single one. It's another job in itself. Yeah. But it is like an amazing platform yeah. just to put your work out there. And yeah. even like working with creative directors or advertising agencies, it's almost like Great ad space. You just like, we need an illustrator. Oh, look, did you just see this? And so yeah. I think... I've definitely started to think of it mm. as more of a, of a tool of showcasing my work now than when yeah. I first started. And tell me about your, your sort of normal month or something in terms of, because you sound like you've got very varied briefs from advertising mm. agencies, mm -hmm. commissioning to do a mural to, yeah. you know, did, are you, you're working on a print at the moment, aren't you, yeah. for yeah. Um, uh, bathing suits and Oh things, yes, right? that like just came out sea folly, yeah, yeah, that was an, a collaboration, yeah. It does, it does seem to be quite broad. Like mm. I'd say that murals and large scale installation stuff is probably about 50 to 60%. And then yeah. there might be like, I might be working on book covers or um, yeah. other little bits and pieces, illustrations and patterns and stuff on the side. So it's definitely busy. And then I do, you know, speaking and workshops yes. and travel and stuff as well. So travel, how much did you travel last year? Oh my God. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I think I got some kind of notification, like my frequent flyer. A thing. frequent flyer, but, um, yeah. And I've been starting to feel guilty about that now because of oh yes, carbon footprint, and and I'm like, oh my god, it's ruining your world, and I don't know. It's no. just, um, but yeah, I feel very lucky yeah. as well. I think that traveling, I always get inspired, and I get to meet people, and it's like a way to be connected. Mm. You know, I feel like Australia is quite not. It's not remote, but like, it you know, pretty remote. <laughs> <laughs> compared to, you know, people that become creatives and then move over to like yeah. New York or London or, you know, it, no, exactly. so it's a good way to kind of feel connected to yeah. the global creative community. And you, you approach your talks in what way? Because you always seem very confident and calm and you always got a really interesting angle. How, how does that come about? Well... It's a good question. I feel like it depends, like a lot of the talks, it depends on the audience or it depends on, you know, the conference. Sometimes there might be a theme, a theme and, right. 
you know, in the same way that I was talking about, like, loving to get really, you know, deep on a brief, like, yeah. there was a period where I was like, if I'm going to do a talk, I have to, like, come up with an interesting idea. And for a while I was thinking about, like, lettering and typography and the ideas around, like, AI and being human and what was going to be popular and I kind of oh wanted God, to go really deep with it right but then I was like I'm actually not an expert in those areas <laughs> I'm just you know sharing my thoughts and so I think now people love to hear like you know your story of how you started and if yeah. I think sometimes even though I'm telling the same story and over and over again for the audience yeah. it might be the first time and so exactly. when I listen to talks I love to kind of hear that journey and so that's yeah. usually where I start yeah and it's a good good start <laughs> no it's true I you know we talked about this that I love knowing more about a person because mm. you really understand the you know how they go through things and how they feel creativity comes into their work, yeah. etc. Um, but we talked a lot about the sort of the good side of mm. your, I feel, mm -hmm. <laughs> of your work. I'm sure there's some sort of sides that is not as easy. Is there any sort of stories that yeah. come to mind? I was thinking about this when you said before the good, the bad, mm. the ugly. I feel like there's a lot of ugly, but it's <laughs> not. It's not necessarily like pinpointed to like one. Incident. bad event yeah. or like this went really mm. bad it's probably more just like an internal struggle like more of yeah. what I was talking about before and the other Gemma like putting <laughs> the pressure on myself or like yeah this is the most important thing and I think like I definitely have been like a workaholic in my life interesting and I've recently started to just think more about like why yeah <laughs> like what is it or even <laughs> like I just have fun <laughs> yeah yeah and I think I don't know like even though ambition and success is something that's clearly valued and like when I was going through design school and everything it's like these are the people who are successful yeah. and you you go for that because that's what you're told yeah and I don't know I've just been thinking more about like what is if you're a workaholic or if you're spending all your time doing this mm. what what else are you running away from in a way? <laughs> <laughs> or like why do you prioritize that and I think I've tried a lot more in the last few years to seek a little bit more balance in yeah. terms of like lifestyle and you know meditation and yoga and spending time with friends and family mm. just really trying to find a balance in yeah. a way that I never used to even think about that stuff and it's so important because otherwise you're just going to dry up and, yeah you know totally it's not that good and apart from yoga or meditation yeah. and seeing family are there like sort of strict rules that maybe you give to clients or your reps or um, there's often you know there's often a lot of structure when a job comes along yeah. in terms of you know the number of rounds and I could probably be better at boundaries like I definitely don't you know, I have no limitations and when I check email or when I work, yeah. like I feel like the own, one of the benefits of being mm. freelance is that it will be really hardcore for like a couple of weeks when something's due, but then I might have a little gap right. or if I'm waiting for feedback nice. and I don't have anything on, I will go to the beach. Like I'm yeah. trying, you know, like really try and not have to work in a period when I don't need to, Yeah, which is good. That's really good. Um, but yeah, I don't so know. So where would you say you'd see yourself in the next sort of 10 years? It's a good <laughs> question. Well, one... As someone as ambitious as me, I wonder <laughs> if... I mean, I'm just as ambitious yeah. as well. So, 
and yeah, I wonder what I kind think, of vision, or do you have one? Do you? I feel like yeah. my dream, so I love the idea of like working on these large installations, right? but you know, this new studio that I've just got now, the Which idea awesome. was to be able to just, you know, paint in between commercial work. So I love the idea of like having spaces that can be transformed. And yeah. I think I used to be more interested in like, I want to work for this client or I want to paint a spaceship or whatever. And now it's more like what would be a really cool setup where I could right. be, I don't know, have a bit more maybe freedom so I could do fewer commercial projects and then spend more time doing exploring I would love to bring back more like of an experimentation Mm. to my work which I feel like I used to have when I started and now I haven't made time to do it I feel like a lot of people yeah the same like at uni you just experiment experiment exactly exactly yeah but 10 years is a long time 10 years is a long time (laughs) yeah but it's, it's quite a it's quite a good sort of question in that sense because it's just like it's so yeah. far away that you can either go super big or yeah. you just like it's interesting anyway mm. I mean I would love to be painting every day right. like I would love to be painting something on a large scale I love yeah. the idea of immersive experiences oh interesting um, yeah and so working maybe with a theatre company or yeah. there, you go. there you go anyone listening to this exactly <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm interested in, like, technology and the way that it intersects with, like, really handmade mm. things. And, yeah, I also could have completely imagined an entirely different career path. Oh, really? Like what? Like what? I don't know. Like, like, I'm a lawyer again now. Oh, I have thought about that. I'm <laughs> I don't know. Like, I do think, you know, what if... Because I feel like now I do this commercial work, which is a mixture between more traditional graphic design mm. and then I've got my own illustration and art stuff but they're very much merging yeah and it is my bread and butter and I would love to I don't know a side hustle something. yeah it sounds like yeah and I think I would recommend anyone creative or mm. anyone actually it doesn't matter if you're not creative but to have that side hustle because you need that outlet otherwise yeah you see clients everywhere basically exactly, exactly. <laughs> not really good but. Yeah. And to end this lovely conversation, I was wondering if you had any sort of parting advice for anyone listening. Mm. It could be either starting out, I know I'm putting you on the spot, yeah. but either they start out in this industry or it could not be, it could just be someone listening to this. Okay. Yeah. I feel like the thing that I, like looking back on my life and career till this point that I often think is that whatever your gut instinct is like so cliche but yeah. whatever it is that you feel like you want to be making or I should, you know I really want to do this but I've got to do this instead yeah. usually the thing that you want to be doing ends up being the best mm. or that it's something that you're interested in or maybe you're a really good illustrator but then you're obsessed with I don't know rocks or something like yeah. if you can bring your anything that you're really passionate about it's into what you do I feel like then it's always going to be great work and more authentic and, yeah and much yeah. more rewarding as yeah well. exactly yeah well on that <laughs> note I don't want to end it but thank you so much thank Demma you. that was great oh, my pleasure Thank you for listening to this episode of This Way Up. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Please look out for more empowering interviews in the weeks to come. Now, I have a couple of special favors to ask. 
Firstly, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. It really helps generate exposure for the podcast and allows a wider audience to get access to these really important topics. Secondly, if you know of anyone else that would enjoy this show and benefits from the topics I cover, then do please share the podcast. Um, By sharing this with just a couple of people, it will just help spread the good message and hopefully support the women this podcast was designed to reach. Finally, if you can follow This Way Up podcast, or one word on Instagram, you'll get notified of future episodes. And the idea is that together we can build a powerful community and hopefully start to change the creative industry. That's it from me. Until next time.